OTL, we're back in the building. Jeremy, the audio experience with Off the Leash podcast, and we are kicking off a new style podcast today to add to our snapshot episodes, our special guest episodes. Today, we're dropping <gasps> Chop It Up. Well, we have friends of the podcast coming on, and any topic is on the table, we're just going to chop it up, talk it out. And today, we have a friend of the podcast, longtime listener in the homie, Tanner Manlander, the building. Welcome, my friend. What to do? It's time. So anything is on the board today, Tanner Mailer, what's going on? Not much. Just out here wondering uh, what the Seahawks are going to do with their uh, draft picks coming up. How do you feel about the whole thing? I like it. For the Seattle folks? I like it. Heartbroken, but it's a long time coming. It was. I'm not mad about it in any way, shape, or form, and that's probably not a popular take, but... What? Uh, how do you feel about Russell Wilson in the last couple of years? What's what was the deal? He was on his way out, hundred percent. Why? I mean, he got with Sierra. Seattle, in, Seattle in a place that they were going to see long term. <laughs> <laughs> They're out here looking at L.A., New York, anywhere else to get out. I think. Well, Denver's an interesting place for him, but <laughs> yeah, but of he'll, all he'll take the he'll take the money and the. The life. I I honestly my my take on it is that I think there's a there's a phrase that says if you could be on the right road, sit down and still get run over. Mm-hmm. And with him, I think that he he lost the kind of chip on his shoulder. I think he accomplished everything that he set out to accomplish and prove people wrong about that he couldn't play QB in the NFL because he's too short. He did it. That he couldn't be a champion. He did it. He married. I mean, he remarried and married the girl of his dreams and has kids. Facts. He has the money, has the house, has really whatever. He has his foundations. He's known as like the nice guy. But I think he just lost the chip on his shoulder and he got kind of complacent. I mean, he was putting on pounds. And I think the things that used to separate him, like were just not there anymore. He didn't have the quickness. Didn't have, I mean, obviously with the finger injury, then his other plus was his ability to throw the ball. And that kind of went sideways. And I, I just don't think that he has the same DNA as, like, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, where they just, like, love competition that much, you know? That, and I think he he realized he can't outrun people anymore. He wasn't, he, <laughs> he wasn't getting protected like he should be. Yeah. So he's out here looking at he wants to get more Super Bowl rings, and they ain't putting people around him to protect him. Yeah, he, he made business decisions. Yeah, which we all would. And I think I honestly think that he's going to go now. He has now he has a new chip on his shoulder, which I think was a good career move for him because now he's going to go to a new team and he's going to try to come out and prove that he's still the best and he's still in the top, whatever top three, top four quarterbacks in the league. And I think that's I think that's good for him. But it was just going to continue going downhill. And I just think, I mean, Seattle basically said, if we're going to burn it, let's just burn the ship to the ground and. And start over. Yeah, shout out Cole Roberts, big Broncos <laughs> fan. Eating, eating his words every day for all the hate he put on Russell, but now he's got Russell in his team. So, yeah, there's been so many back and forths on people just like giving hot takes. Like this was a huge W for the Broncos, and that's the missing piece. And there's other people who are like, eh, they're still not really going to do anything because they're in a tough division, and they're still not going to get past the other teams in the division because they have Patrick Mahomes and and others. That are in that division. Uh, Allen. Yeah. So that's, I think that's another take. I think that here, I mean, I was kind of hoping that we were going to get a coaching swap with the Rams and we were just going to 
trade Pete Carroll because dream come true. Petey, good old Petey, we love him, but he needs to be done. Because I think, I mean, you, you always go back to like what you know best, and it's like when you're losing, you like go back to what you know. And it's like if you just don't have the horses in the stable to do that, then you just look worse and worse. We ain't got, our running backs can't last longer than three games, so. Well, yeah, because they're running into brick walls <laughs> time after time, and it's and then it's like we're not using when we have some of the best receiving core like in the entire league, and we can't throw them the rock. No, which I think that's why Geno was. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people thought Geno Smith like did kind of well when he was in there. One is because he just kind of said, "F it, I'm just gonna go for it." And he just he would throw balls that Russ wouldn't throw because Russ is concerned about his interception numbers and he like he plays it pretty close to the vest. And I think with the people that we have, like their playmakers, you have to I mean, in a basketball way, the, the worst passes make the best lobs and the yeah. best dunks. So same thing for, you know, any wide receiver, like, you know, F it, they're down there somewhere. You know, DK needs a little <laughs> bit more of that where you just give him a chance to go be who he is. Because, like, otherwise, what's the point of having somebody that's, like, a free show like DK? You might as well, you know, trade him and get two Doug Baldwins out of the deal that, you know, are just the sure catchers and yeah, are no. nice route runners. <laughs> but please say <laughs> Please know that. I'm good with that. But I don't know. I, I think I think it's the best way to go. I, I wish there was another term for when teams kind of, like, let people go at the end of their, at the end of their career, like what happened with Bobby. Like, there's just something that's so, like, inherently negative about the Seahawks released Bobby Wagner. Like, as if we didn't want him anymore, we, like, that he was just, like, washed up. I just wish there was a, a different term that was used because, I mean, obviously it was a, a cap space clearing point because it's kind of like, you know, if we're going to clear the clear the space for new players and rebuilding, then, you know, obviously with Bobby and Russ gone, I think we gained, like, whatever, 30 five mil or something cap space well i think it's i think i think one thing is we get attached to these players so much because i mean bobby and russ were this since what 2012 their last two the last two players we had since the super bowl so they were with us for like 10 years and i think that we just get like so caught up in like we're fans and you know they're on our team and after, after 10 years well and then the and reason you choose them in madden yeah yeah like, oh we got bobby we got russ or you're not allowed to choose them facts but, but and then seeing them go is just like it's it's like a part of I mean it's ten years, so you know, it's a lot of people's like childhoods for sure. You know, growing up and that's your team, those are your players, and seeing them go is hard, but then at the end of the day it's a business. Well and for a lot of us, I mean that's like the only Seattle sports team that ever won. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we're like holding on to the glory years like Go we, Mariners. We, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the Mariners. We just hope that, like, they never grow older and we just, like, hold on for dear life. Yeah. But. Yeah, but they, they gave us a lot of good memories and, I mean, all we could really ask for for the time being. And now we're just hoping that the Kraken can do something. Shout out to the Kraken. Have you been to a Kraken game? I have. It's extremely exciting. Is and it? I think the one game we went to, I, the one game I went to, uh, we won, like, 5-0. I don't remember what team we were playing. I don't follow hockey like that, but we weren't supposed to win. We won 5-0. <laughs> I was like, all right. What's, are we supposed to win any games? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We're not, we're not, <laughs> doing, too, we're not doing too good. I think our record's like. Let's not say the record. Just so we very don't. far below 500. <laughs> it's not pretty. I don't think I've ever been. To, I've never been to a hockey game. 
what's the energy like? Is it hostile? Oh, it's wild. It, it's like, well, I don't know. So I've been to uh, like every Silver Tips game. So you're watching these guys who are like, and no one come for me if I'm wrong with any sort of terminology or whatnot. But come it, for it. It's 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 just it's a it's kind of like a feeder team, I guess, in a way. And so like these guys are out here trying to make it to the big leagues. They're giving it their all and everything like that. So there's way more fights and just like way more aggressiveness. The fans are, I mean, it's downtown Everett. Mm. So. You the get, best <laughs> doesn't get any better than you that. Get, you get all kinds of fans, but the games are super fun to watch. Um, but the Kraken's a little bit more, little more kind of reserved. But at the same time, it's still hockey's hockey. So Max. I don't think I've ever been to a, a hockey game. What's the, what's the best sporting event experience you've ever had? Oof. Um, that's a tough one. I think bittersweet was uh, one of the last Sonic games. So it was a home game against the Nuggets, Ooh. and I got to sit, not quite like courtside, but like where they have like the hockey ring edged out in the old key arena. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I was like the very first row there. Were you there when we sang the national anthem for this? Oh, song? yeah, I was there. I said what's up to Kevin Durant, shook Rashid Wallace's hand. Dude, when I walked by those <laughs> Pistons, I had no idea how monstrous of a human being. I'm like looking up them like the freaking monsters, like Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace. Who else was on the team? Rip Hamilton. I gave, I gave Rasheed Wallace the head nod, like dapped him up really quick, and his hand like just <laughs> ate, ate my hand and forearm. And I was like, man, this is a this is a monster, dude. I miss that era of basketball. Oh yeah, I really do. The Pistons when they were winning, that whole team was just. Nasty. It was nasty. In a good way. Ben Wallace is one of my favorite. Like, one of my all-time favorite big men to watch. Yes. He's like Stretch from NBA Street <laughs> Volume 2. Just He's like Stretch but less finesse. <laughs> the disrespect. That's <laughs> how so you're just throwing punches. I think we need, we need to bring back NBA Street Volume 2. They want... <clears throat> what was that? What was the... Uh, the double point something breaker... Oh, Game Breaker. Game Breaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, Game Breakers used to go crazy. It's like game over once that happened. Have you have you used uh have you been to a UFC fight? I have not. Or like a mixed martial arts fight? No, it's a dream of mine. The only one I've gone to was uh same thing, the whatever Angel of the Winds Arena mm. in Everett. And uh it's such a crazy environment. I was like, the energy's so high. And even if you're like sitting in the nosebleeds, like it's still crazy like i can't imagine being at like these like massive pay-per-view fights you know yeah, we're like down in vegas like whether it's connor walking in or israel or any of those crazy people that have the massive like backgrounds where the chants are going and things are just going ape any like, foreigner <laughs> yes that that environment is just is bonkers it's so cool is connor done no he's got some wins in him I don't know about wins, but... <laughs> oh, he's still going to get this paper. Let's he's, not get it twisted. He, he's always going to be looking for that money, so, I mean... And he's always going to get it. Yeah, he, he he's a competitor at heart, and so I don't think he's done fighting. Done getting wins, possibly. <laughs> but I could see him, like, getting, like, you know, two or three more fights and losing and still continue. Like I saw a couple... They They were just talking about him, like, his next fight, possibly getting shot at the title fight. 
I was like, that's so crazy. It's all because of his name. For sure. I mean, he, he's, he surpassed the sport a long time ago. I mean, he really, if there's, like, say three people that really blew up the UFC, Ronda Rousey, Connor. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, yeah, kind of just. I mean, who, who else? I John mean, Jones. John Jones. Okay, yeah, that's that's probably. He also blew it off the, <laughs> off the scene, too. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean the, all three of them are very, obviously, very unique characters. Uh, but they, they all just surpassed the sport. I mean, John Jones a little bit less than Ronda Rousey and Connor, just because off the, off the, I mean, out of the ring, I guess, would be the yeah. phrase. I'm um, sure there was more, too. I mean. Honestly, for me, I've, I've only become, like, a big fan in the last, like, maybe, like, two, three years. So, like, I didn't even really watch a whole lot when John Jones was fighting. But he's the one person that I can think of, you know, not being a, a true fan of the UFC. But knowing about the UFC was because of him. I think that's one of the crazy things about John Jones is that he's just so wild. <laughs> but, like, even with, like... People want to hate on him so bad, but he still just goes in the octagon and just wins. Yeah. You know, so it's like that person that it's like the bully that you hate. Like you want him to lose so bad, but you just can't be mad that he keeps winning. It's kind of like the Tom Brady effect or like people that didn't like Kobe. You know, you want to be like you want to hate him so bad, but they just keep winning. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of it, you kind of like, I don't, for, at least for me, like coming full circle at the end of their careers, like. You look back at their greatness and what they were able to do, and you like stop hating him. You're like, dang, I just, I guess I just hated him because they kept beating my team, or you know. That, that's how I was for Kobe for the longest time. I hated Kobe because I was LeBron, I was Jordan, and then LeBron fan, and so all through middle school, high school, hated Kobe. Well, towards the end, I started liking him, and I started appreciating what he did for the game and his game in itself. And now, and and, and then in the later years, I was a huge fan of Kobe. Well, I think it's it's so weird because, like, old school basketball, I feel like we were, as kids, we were, like, taught to hate Kobe because he was selfish and he didn't pass 100%. and he, like, took shots. And then it's, it's so interesting because, I mean, I, don't, I, I know we've talked about the whole MJ-LeBron debate, but then it's, like, so you hate him because he didn't pass and he took shots when he had open teammates, but then LeBron comes and does it and you – you kind of make him an antagonist in the story because he actually makes the open pass and you want him to be selfish. Yeah, yeah. you hate him for making that pass. Yeah, so what are you doing? So it's like it depends on what generation of player you're, you know, or what generation you're talking to about basketball. Um, and it's it's just obviously an ongoing debate. But I mean, winners win, and I mean, it that was like one of the saddest things that, that second time that John Jones beat. Daniel Cormier, and it like came out that he like failed his drug test, oh, and he was like, "I was on drugs and I still beat you." Like, what a, what else do you want me to do? You know yeah. that? Just to see Daniel Cormier like crying after that fight, I was like, "Oh, I mean, I'm a John Jones fan, but it just hurt to see him just like crying because just like his soul got snatched." Yeah, was that his last fight? Did he fight after that? I don't think so. I think did he, I think did he, he fight Stipe? I thought he was supposed to. I think he, like, failed a drug test. I could be completely wrong. I, I think he, I I think think he like, Cormier. failed another test. Cormier? I was talking about Cormier. Oh. Cor- oh. I don't think, I'm not sure if Cormier failed, but I know... I, I know John Jones had, like, that arrest for something. 
But, I mean, he's been building up to do that, the heavyweight. And, I mean, he looks savage, but I'm like, at some point you actually have to fight. You know what I mean? So, he, so yeah, so <clears throat> DC did fight Stipe, and he lost. And then he called it a day, right? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, his last fight was Stipe. And, and now he's making that cheddar. 2020 it was decision. Yeah, I actually really like that they're bringing all like the UFC fighters that like are actually good speakers to be the announcers and you know be the after fight mm-hmm. hosts because you know there's nothing worse than like Stephen A. Smith that first time. <laughs> oh my god, don't get me started on Stephen A. But that first time he came through and he got freaking chewed up. It's like nobody wants you here. But ESPN made the deal, so they had to bring over the ESPN guy. I think fighting is different too because, like, like you can you can commentate on like other sports because you probably played them growing up, but you weren't a UFC fighter growing up. Yes, <laughs> so you were probably more often than not a bad fighter growing up. So if you've ever fought anybody, yeah. So like growing up, you know, it's it's not something that a lot of people have a whole lot of knowledge on. Well, then it's it's so much different than, like, an 82-game season or, like, a 152-game season where, like, some nights you just, like, kind of throw in the towel and you're like, eh, whatever. Like, these dudes are literally locked in a freaking cage yeah, fighting to the death. Nobody's in there like, eh, probably just going to take the night off. Like, <laughs> like the effort, it's freaking there. If they give up, it's because they're freaking broken or they can't breathe or their rib is busted or their leg is snapped. Like, no one's just kind of like, eh. Yeah, they're not saving their minutes for playoffs. No, like. no. So I think that I think that's one of the the biggest things that he, that we got on Stephen A. Smith's head about is like, oh yeah, he just gave up and he just, you know, with effort wasn't there. Like I don't <laughs> think you understand. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's I think that's crucial. I know they're trying to fix all the the judging because it's pretty crazy because like they do these fights, but then the judges could just like check a wrong box, you know, and that person loses. I think they didn't, they need to make the judges like they didn't show them on TV. Well, they I guess in I, I, I might be wrong, but I think it's in the one Bellator. It's either that or like the one fighting championship or where they they do round by round. So the judges have to like you can see what they score as they go. Mm. So it takes out like the guesswork mm. of like it also lets the fighter know like where you know, they're at. I you think know. that's, that's kind of dope. Because how many times at the end of a fight you're like, I thought I did enough to get it done, you <laughs> know? And you're like, well, you didn't. Yeah. But, I mean, and it's, it's like, how do you not have people who were fighters? Because I think the fight game is such a momentum sport, you know? 100%. Where it's like you feel the energy rising for somebody and, you know, one knockdown is definitely not equal to the other knockdown or, but... Like going into like a halftime with momentum, and then coming out in the next round, third quarter, second yes. half. Well, now now it's so crazy because like every I feel like everybody wants to be Connor, super bad. Like everybody wants to have the mystique, like have the trash talk, like Colby, right? <laughs> but it's it's just so it's just so forced. I mean, the amount of times we've heard Joe Rogan say that it's all an act, you know, and that he's a super nice guy. You know, like. All right, well, now you just look like a dick. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> when you're up there, like, talking about people's families, and it's like, yeah. all right, we, we get it. Like, you're, you're big money now. You don't necessarily have to be that. But, I mean, they they all want to talk trash about Connor, but Connor basically paved the way for them to to make they, their money that, like, they did. And how do you feel about the whole Jake Paul 
fighting thing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I would fight Mike Tyson. I was like, please, please do. He lost his he lost his last girlfriend. He'll lose his next fight. Can't, I can't stand that guy. I, I respect what he's, the hustle for the money and what he's doing. But that's it. The rest of him, I just don't respect. I just don't like the, the thing I don't like is just like people who aren't genuine. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the Col- same thing with Colby. Like Jake Paul wants to play like the bad guy and trash talk and this. And then all of a sudden like he's like, I want to make the biggest difference with kids with this, this and that. And it's like, ugh. You know, it's like they're watching you act a fool and act crazy, but because you're handing out boxing gloves, it's supposed to. Well, I, I saw like a, I think a, a Kamara Usman was, um, he was in an interview, and they asked him about Jake Paul and like what he thought on him and his career and the fighting and everything, and and he he was he was questioning like how much Jake really makes on the pay per views. Oh, I know. He's like, I'm. What did he say? I made more in my last one than he made in all of this combined. He, he, yeah, he was really like questioning. So, like, is it all a front? Like, I'm sure Jake made like good money for sure, but like, I mean, realistically, after his last fight, we haven't really seen anything from. You know, I don't follow him on social media, but like, even if you don't follow him, you still hear about him and whatnot. Well, and he also makes whatever. I think that last YouTube numbers came out, he was making like forty. Eight million or something, forty-five million a year. That's wild. As a YouTuber, so it's like, that's the thing is like you don't know what's actually coming from the fight because he has that YouTube money and I'm sure other money from whatever NFTs and whatever else they got going on to to kind of cover it, you know, so they they can make it look like they're making all the money from whatever, but they could be coming from other sources. Yeah, his fight didn't fund the private jet post vacation. No, definitely, definitely did not. His YouTube funded that. Yeah, that. Speaking of YouTube, that Mr. Beast, um, I still need to watch that. Joe Rogan was really good. I mean, he he he's the top guy. He's making like fifty eight million dollars a year. But he said uh, it's actually a pretty crazy story. He said he started making YouTube videos when he was eleven, and then he was like basically like a high school dropout. And then when he like graduated from high school, his mom said he either had to go to community college or he had to move out. And so he said he faked going to community college and he would just sit in his car and he would make videos and edit videos, post them. And so he basically, the one day one of his videos blew up and he made $20,000 and he said that day I went and told my mom that I had been faking going to college and I moved out that day. Damn. And so ever since that he's been making videos and like now he has over a hundred person team mm-hmm. and there he's like, he's like, he was being asked if he has like a nice car and he's like, he's like I, I think I bought like one really nice thing. And I bought some like thousand dollar t-shirts and stuff, but he's like, I never balled out. And then his, ha- he's like, I was living, I was making millions of dollars living in a duplex paying $700 in rent. And then he's like, I bought all this nice stuff for inside my house. And then he said that the downside of not having like a ball in house with like security is my house got broken into and everything got stolen. <laughs> and so he's like, eh, and then that was kind of the end of that. So he said, I don't do, he said he doesn't do anything on his channel to make money. So it just all goes back in. That's what I, that's what I heard from like another, I saw him on a, it was like a different podcast and he was, he was saying that like, he doesn't actually make a whole lot of money from YouTube because everything he makes, he just puts it in his next video. Yeah. He said that one, I think the, Video he did on the Squid Games cost like oh, over four million dollars. Yeah, that that was actually I think one of the one of the highest production like videos ever put on YouTube. It's it's great, cool because he said he does like some small videos, 
that basically because all the big ones he loses money on like millions yeah. he could lose millions of dollars on yeah. so he just does the smaller videos to basically pay yeah. um but he said across all platforms he has like i don't know 220 million followers 220 million he said the, the greatest thing that they started doing was basically only 10 percent of the world speaks english so they started just reaching out to these different countries and translating the videos into that language, but they get celebrities from that country to do the voiceover for Mr. Beast. So like wow. the people in that country like recognize like that voice actor because he said that somebody from like Japan, he got like one of the, like the biggest anime voices ever to like be the voice for the video. That's crazy. And so he's like a, a ton of the money comes from like these other countries videos. That they're getting like ridiculous amount of views on well, the amount of views in like, in like foreign countries is insane. Crazy. Especially anything like the Asian, like China, Japan, Korea, any, if your video goes viral over there, like it's, it's a different type of viral than it is in like the U S yes. Well, and that's, and I think that's like a, it was just really, fun listening to him talk because he's like so down to earth he's just kind of like sticks to himself just has a close friend group like all the people you know who he came up with are like still his friends and they just like travel around doing crazy things and like i mean th their videos are insane dude they're giving away houses five hundred thousand dollars he was talking about like the last challenge where i think it was like he put like 50 people in a circle and the yeah. last person Actually, to I watched, get up was like, got made like $50,000. I watched like the first part of that video. And I think the first part like went through like, like the, they were standing in the circle for like, it was like the first part was like a day or two. And they just kept making the circle smaller and smaller. And they would offer random offer like different people like money or a car or whatever to leave the circle. And so was, people would go back and forth or like, Oh, if you, if you leave the circle right now, everyone within the circle gets like uh, Mr. Beast burgers because he has his own burger chain. Right, right, right. So it's just like all the, just little incentives here, but it was like it made the video so much more interesting and gave it so much more like uh, like drama to the video. He said one of the guys that was in that video, uh, he's now part of like one of his video creating teams. Was he was a janitor? His janitor at the time for like their facility, and. Uh, he, he was one of the people in the circle, and he asked if he could throw his poop at other people in the circle to try to win. <laughs> and so the uh, he became part of the team because there was so many <laughs> there were so many comments under the thing that was like, the next videos were all like, where's the poop guy? We want the poop guy back. <laughs> and so he legit brought him in because he's like, He's like, sometimes when we do interviews or we like bring people on to be part of the show, they're just so boring or they're like so starstruck and they don't know what to say that it makes like terrible content. And so it's like, sometimes it's really hard to find people who are just like good on camera or like say just ridiculous stuff or act like super weird. And he's like, that's the stuff that like makes content what it is. You know, if you're like hand somebody a hundred thousand dollars and they're just like speechless, oh, I don't know what to say. Thank you. And you're like. That's not exciting. Yeah, you want the person cool. who's like, I literally just pooped my pants. Like, <laughs> that's the stuff that like makes people laugh and wants to keep watching. But that that part was just ridiculous. But it's his like that world is just so insane that now people are making, you know, whatever fifty eight million dollars. Like when we were growing up, like if doctors, lawyers, you know, if somebody was making six figures, like somebody's making a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, you're rolling. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, that's, like, life aspirations. You're set for life, and now you have people who, like, literally will make, I mean, people like Joe Rogan are making 
$100,000 to sit down and smoke weed and talk on a microphone for two hours. I mean, I see there's a there's a dude on TikTok who does like like what making 100k a year in each state actually like makes you. <laughs> it's the most depressing TikTok <laughs> page I've ever seen. In yo, my some life. of those ones in Texas, I'm like, yo, you make. Yeah, there's certain states where you're like, all right, I'm gonna move there. And then there's other states where you're like, still a man, no for me, dog. Like, <laughs> this is dumb. But one of the uh, on like back on YouTube, there's this kid, uh, I think it's like Ryan's World. So like my uh, nephews and nieces, they they used to watch, and still do, but the kid literally, his parents just videotape him. Like it started off with, he, he they would buy him toys and then he would kind of just react to them and play with them. And it was like, it, it was just he became, making stupid bank? It became this like, like, huge thing now where he's one of the top uh one of the top youtubers in the world oh my god and it all started with watching this like three-year-old play with toys but i I think if you like looked him up he's literally like top five uh in like making money on youtube that's the um that's the crazy thing is that as like kids now especially like gamers you know, they're making millions and millions of dollars. Like, they have their own agent. You're like, how, as their parent, like, how do you tell them to, like, go clean the room when they are the one, like, bought you the house? You know, like, exactly. that's that's the tough part. Like, do you just become, like, your kid's hype man and, like, staff or? Well, that's, like, one of the craziest things because, like, the Ryan's World kid, you can you can tell in a lot of his videos his parents are, like, pushing it. Like, For he, sure. he, he's there to play with the toys. They're there to make the money. And so even now, like Easy with him money. growing up and everything like that, they're like in the videos and it's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen, but they're making money. And making like easy money at that. Oh yeah. I forget. I'm going to look it up. I forget how much he was making, but. Is it Ryan, Ryan Kaji? Um, Is that his name? Yep. He, hit so. Yes, Mr. Beast is at fifty-four million. Um, oh, it's that, and that's crazy. It says thanks to the surge in views, his twenty-one payday. This is Mr. Beast, double what last year's number one brought in. That would be twenty-nine point five million by Ryan Kaji. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that whatever that kid's age was, he made twenty-nine million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, if you limit his, it's always pretty random. But the net worth says like thirty two mil. And this kid's, I think, I think he's like maybe like ten now or something. But yeah, that that Mr. Beast Burger thing is crazy because they basically had like an ingredient stuff, so it allowed all of these small mom and pop restaurants to be distributors for the Mr. Beast Burgers. Mm-hmm. So you could sign up, and they would send you all the ingredients, and then you could basically become a distributor for Mr. Beast. Yeah. So it's it's like such a genius business model but then he's like did i legit have like 50 of the smartest people in the world when it comes to like viral videos and businesses and stuff like this it's all about who you surround yourself with let's see jake paul uh made 45 million markiplier i don't even know who that is 38 mil Rhett and link 30 million unspeakable 28.5 
Nast yet. Looks like a little girl. How old is this girl? Immigrated from Russia. She's drawn in 87.5 million subscribers. Jeez. She chronicles her life in prosaic installments. How interesting can her life be? Videos about decorating Halloween cupcakes and about spending time with her best friends. Who's watching that? Which 85 million people are watching decorating cupcakes for Halloween? And this little girl hang out with her friends. I just don't understand. Ryan, that kid, Ryan, he went from top number one to number seven. He's He made 27 million. I know. Dude Perfect. I mean, they've been around for a long time. 20 million. Logan Paul's number nine. Dude Perfect million. right. The, they, their videos are actually fun. It's pretty freaking impressive. And they've been lie. together since, I think they were at Texas A&M. It was like all like roommates and everything, and then they just started making trick shot videos. That's just so much money. I still watch a lot of their videos. Like, every time comes, I'm, I'm subscribed to them. What's the what's the top, like, is, is YouTube the top paying platform? Has to be. Let's see. Top paid Twitch. I mean, Instagram, Instagram's got to be up there because I know, like, anytime, like, Cristiano Ronaldo or, like, Kylie Jenner post something, they, but actually, well, it's all ad-based, though. Let's see, 10 highest paid Twitch. Oh, yeah, that's, it can't be even close. Hold on, I got to scroll all the way down through, like, all this BS. Yeah, YouTube's got to be the top. Number two, number one is Critic. Critical role, and you made nine million, so it's not even close. Top um, YouTube, top two, YouTube is fifty-eight million. Top Twitch is tw- nine million, nine million six hundred thousand. Shout out Nick Merks, <laughs> <laughs> the only person that I like will legit watch like a whole video yeah, of. He made like because the all the Twitch um, streamers their revenues got like uh, leaked like about like five six months back. And it was actually pretty funny because it like blew up Twitter, and so like yeah, because people were people like BSing. Is that what you're saying about how much money they were making? No, no, no. Well, they just they like, they never really like openly shared it. And then once like the <laughs> w- once the numbers came out, everyone was like, "Oh, I mean, he can't be doing too bad." I think Nick made like five, and that was before his latest uh, like huge contract with them. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo is the number one most recognized figure in the world. I believe it. So his he has the number one Instagram on the planet. Yeah. And per post for people that reach out to him per post, minimum it's six hundred and twenty thousand yeah. dollars to a million dollars a post. Yeah. Yo, I would be posting every day. What? <laughs> you just have somebody that's like taking it all in and making a post a day. That's three hundred and sixty five mil a year. I'd be making posts for like companies that I'd have no idea who they are. If it Money talks. Yeah. What? That's just crazy. Who's the top athlete now? Probably Connor. Still, that's that's so ridiculous. Connor lost his like last three fights, and he's still a top paid. Well, it's gotta be. Oh, oh, oh! Like just overall salary. Yes. Well, that and whatever with all of their. I mean, I mean Ronaldo's got to be up there too. Let's see, Forbes. Do we trust Forbes? Connor number one, 180 million in a year. Yes, it's ridiculous. 
He's he's only thirty two. That's kind of crazy. He definitely this, he definitely strikes strange? me as some. I, I and it, I don't know. I feel like he's like like it, minimum like thirty five. Like what? Hold on. I, I get well. Run out Siri. How old is Conor McGregor? He's thirty three, so he must have just had his birthday since this post. Second is Lionel Messi. One hundred thirty mm. mil. Cristiano Ronaldo, one hundred twenty mil. Dak Prescott, number four, 107 mil. LeBron, number five, 96. Neymar. That's, that soccer money is next level money. Dak Prescott. Good thing they're paying him so much. <laughs> really putting in that work. What? <laughs> Ain't doing shit. Neymar, number six, is 95. Roger Federer out here still getting that paper. <laughs> 90, 90 mil. He's 39, bro. How many years has he been? Thought Federer was like retired. Lewis Hamilton, the race car driver, is making eighty-two mil. That dude's life is insane. Lewis His Hamilton like car collection and like houses that he owns and everything. He's the type of guy that, that like once he retires, he might go broke. Because <laughs> like I've seen, I've seen like bits and pieces, like articles from like GQ or like uh, um, like d- just different like YouTube uh, channels. They just like go and interview like luxury lifestyles and everything like that. And I've seen him on a lot of them. So like that that dude better have some financial advisors or, you know, some savings because you don't save nothing right now. I was just listening to a video today. He was talking about being rich broke. Yeah. And they were talking about if you stopped working, <clears throat> if you didn't have any more money coming in, it's like would you still have money coming in? If that answer is no, then you're broke because all you have is stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like so. Really, you're only rich if that money is still coming in, even if you're not working. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting kind of take. Tom Brady's number nine on the list, seventy six mil. Kevin Durant, number ten, seventy five. Damn, I didn't realize Katie was up high. Uh, who's uh, what's his list list off of? Forbes. Pretty reliable. We hope. <laughs> But God dang, Connor's still up there making 180 mil. 180 mil a year. He's he's another person with that crazy lifestyle where he's buying like 100 million dollar yachts and stuff, and you're like, whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> I wonder how much is uh his his proper whiskey or proper proper twelve. He just I think he just sold it, didn't he? I'm not idea. I think he sold like a majority of it. I w- if I was him, I'd never sell the whole thing. Keep it. Any sort, of, any, any sort of Irish whiskey. I'm going to say it's good whiskey. Proper 12, so. Let's see what it says. Apparently my dog thinks that my tripod is a cheap toy. <laughs> Come on, Fergus. I mean, it kind of looks... It do. I don't like one. Um, oh, my God. Conor McGregor, along with founders Audi, Yatar, and Ken Austin, sold the majority stake of his whiskey brand, Proper 12, to Proximo Spirits in a $600 million deal. Yeah, I might sell at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'll sell All right, I'll take it back. I might, I yeah. might give up a stake. 
I mean, it's not like he couldn't just create another whiskey and roll with it either. So does he still have like? Did you sell all of his? No shares. No. So it says I think he just said they sold the majority share. Mm. That's pretty freaking crazy. I mean, even I don't know, a partial share of six hundred million dollars. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, not hurting too bad. Dude, that's crazy. Here. This other I guess you're stopping cutting this stuff. You know what else is crazy is these god dang gas prices. About to go buy a horse. Dude. Maybe <laughs> bullseye. I right around. I hit my homie because right before all this, like almost six months ago, I traded out my car that had like almost forty miles of gas <laughs> to the mile, and I got an SUV. So I texted him. I was like, "Man, my timing is immaculate." I think I, I still get like thirty-two on my car, thirty to thirty-two, depending on what I'm doing. Yeah, Glenn just rubbed that thing in. Those those places where it's like nine dollars a gallon is freaking insane. Yeah. Yeah. There's a somebody's uh, video. I love TikTok. I'm not gonna lie. I learn more from TikTok than any other platform. Sometimes I just get sick and tired of seeing all the, what the people that I know are doing. I just like seeing strangers. I, I don't know. Strangers are just so much more interesting because I feel like people on TikTok are just like you're reaching strange. You're looking to reach strangers more than like flex to the people that know you. Yeah, my friends aren't that inter- interesting. So. Yeah, so it's it's, it's kind of nice. <laughs> I mean, kidding. you get into like these veins where you're like, I don't know, people like blow my mind. I mean, I, in in every sense of the way. But um, what was I just talking about? TikTok. Yeah. What What was I saying before that? Um, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I saw a dude that's a uh, a uh, what's a semi truck driver, and he's like, "Well, let's see how long, see how much it takes to fill up this tank." It was like a th- Twelve hundred dollars, bro. That's insane. Twelve, and then there was another guy who was filling up like a Ford Excursion, which is like the biggest SUV. Yeah, they made it. It cost him like I don't know, it was like one hundred and eighty something dollars just to fill up. Well, because yeah, the Excursions they aren't they aren't diesel either. So, I think did it have a? I think it said he had like a forty four gallon tank. Yeah, that's pretty freaking big. How big is your car? Like eighteen, twelve? Uh, it's like fifteen. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's about fifteen or so. I haven't actually, truthfully, I haven't like fully filled my tank up in a long time because I just haven't been driving that much. I wonder but how the uh, how this has all affected all the uh, the old Uber drivers. That's what I'm wondering too. Well, I mean, because I haven't like consistently been doing Instacart either. Do, do so for like Uber and Instacart. Do people get paid out per mile? It gets factored into the, the overall. Pay. Do the gas prices get factored in? Uh, I'm sure they do. But the thing is, well, I don't know about Uber. I think Uber might be a little bit different. But I know for like Instacart, they don't um, like directly pay out. I don't think mile. you don't get like a kind of like an, an like itemized list of what you're getting paid for. You kind of get like your rate for the whole job and then like the tip. So they're probably jipping. 
people. <laughs> no. Like <laughs> gas prices and mileage. Definitely tipping people. Give me like five cents a mile. I'm like, all right, cool. Lit. <laughs> that's low-key crazy. I wonder, I wonder how much if that's taken uh, like a cut into the amount of people that have been doing that. I mean, it has to, right? 100% has to. Unless people that, that's like, that's their only way of making income, which I'm sure now there's a whole lot of those compared to like a couple of years ago. I was like, back when I was at, when I was at Costco, there was a, we had all of our regular Instacart shoppers there. And um, one of the top guys I heard through like a friend said that per week, uh, he was making like three grand a week. That's crazy. How much was he freaking driving? Off Instacart? Well, I mean, the more south you go, because he was based on, he, his, like, like, he was, he would only do Costco, maybe a couple other stores, but he was all in, like, Shoreline area. So, the drop-off, like, your, your, the amount, the distance that you're driving isn't going to be as great um, as if you were, like, up north. That makes sense. But, yeah, it's wild. But I, I'm sure it has, because even, like, I mean, because even people that order... Like DoorDash, Uber Eats, things like that. Your prices are going to go up so much now. So you're paying like 35 bucks for like chicken nuggets and a McDouble from McDonald's. Which is so freaking insane. So there's just going to be less and less jobs for the drivers to do. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting how whatever happens in culture like has a domino effect on, on everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially now and whether it's dealing with politics or masks or whatever costs the entry or gas prices. Like there's so many more jobs that are reliant on the internet and like just all the inner works, everything goes together, you know? So it's, it's just freaking hard to, it's hard to know. It's, it's funny with all the people who are like the mask mandate being lifted, all the people who are now being asked to come back into work. Yeah. And it's like, uh, I think I'm good. But then it's again, like, okay, well, it's kind of part of the job. So I think I think that through everything that's gone on, like so many people or so many like companies have learned that they actually can work like with all like this remote working. Yes, you know, work from home and everything like that. And it's like, oh, we can actually kind of run our business doing this. Let's just do this. Yeah, I think that's some, a lot of them are like viewing it as like saving overhead. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're like, well, dang, if we don't need to have these million dollar buildings, you know, yeah. paying for the lights to be on, the water, and exactly. and all that. I think that one of the another video that I saw it was interesting. You're talking about hotels because I don't know if you stayed in a hotel lately, but they now it's like our maid services will not be coming in to clean your room um, due to COVID restrictions. Um. <laughs> everything a chew toy right yes, here COVID restrictions and, and stuff like that and first, everybody's like well first off it's not like the maids are coming in to clean your room while you're in the room no. so that wouldn't make sense two if they are it's really annoying yeah <laughs> trying to sleep over here like, <laughs> so they got the vacuum rolling yeah. you're like alright yeah, like my mom on a Saturday morning yeah. in high school <laughs> <laughs> yeah right above your head yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly the uh, but it's turned out that there was a bunch of different hotels that were using it to basically skimp out on paying the maid services. Mm. And like, 
you know, obviously some of the, some of the people who are working those jobs, like that's like the only job that they can do yeah. or like, they're like, you know, single moms or, or whatever. Um, and they were basically just using it to like save money using COVID basically as an excuse to not have to clean the rooms like as much, which is really interesting. So they were saying like to help people with these jobs, like basically go to the front desk and ask for your room to be clean specifically because it's like, it, they'll only come clean if you, um, if you ask mm. them to, um, but there was another like expose video that was kind of crazy. These guys would go into like these high end hotels and they would use like this black light, this black light spray. Um, and they would open up the sheets and they, they would like spray it on and then they would do it on the pillow and then they would do it on the, like the lampstand and like different places around. And then they, the next night they would book the same hotel room under a different name and they would come back in to see like how good the hotel rooms were being cleaned. And so that it was like the first couple of tests were passed. Like they wiped down the bathroom sink and they wiped down the like the nightstand they like pulled back the sheets and the freaking stamp was still on the sheet <laughs> and then they like they did on the pillowcase and they had just like fluffed up the pillowcase and turned it over and so it was like the same pillow as the night before and they're like yo these people aren't even freaking cleaning the room bro that's disgusting dude so nasty so they like brought the manager up and obviously the manager was like oh this is an isolated incident blah 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 you know we'll talk to the staff blah blah, blah. so they they just kept doing it, like making the rounds, and it like kept happening. But it was, it was like I don't know. That really sketched me out. One, one of my, uh, my sisters back in high school, uh, I forget exactly where it was, but they, they basically they like were in a state state tournament, so we traveled somewhere, and um, uh, one of their boyfriends and like a couple of his friends, they like rented out this like, it was like a hotel, but more of a motel room. Yeah, they thought it would be a great idea to bring a black light with them to it. No, 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 no! <laughs> Don't do it. They left. They they black. They they went over oh, the whole entire emotional damage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they went over the whole room, looked at everything, switched hotels immediately, and I was like, man, like you could probably do that in any hotel room ever. Yeah. So. It, my mind says like, like literally like what I don't know. Ignorance it's is not, bliss. It's not gonna hurt. Me. Yes. Like it might, but well, whatever. Yes, ignorance. Is I'd rather not stress about it. Very much bliss. And well, that's like people are like, um, people, some people's reasoning for not using like Airbnbs is like, well, I want you know I like the maid service to like come in and like tidy up the room. It's like, well. At least when you're at the Airbnb, you're the one who was using everything. One and two, that person's whole business. Revolves around like good service, yeah. so that person's not just fluffing it up. That person either they have a cleaning service that's coming in and taking care of the place, or they're doing it themselves. So well, and like even even that, I think like with an Airbnb is different because like you're having a usually people aren't going to be there for just like one night, so they're going to be there for like multiple nights. So like you're going to have a, a a whole entire like clean service come in, clean the whole entire house, whatever. It's all good to go. Whereas in a hotel, you know, it's like they just, it's repetition and you could have the last room that they were supposed to do for the day. Yes. And they just were like, uh, they literally could not uh, care less. I don't care about this room. Like I've done 75 of the rooms today. Yes. But I've only had, I, and I've only ever had one bad experience at Airbnb where it was like that. But then instantly we called the, uh, called the owner and we were just like, Hey, just so you know, uh, one of the rooms, my room, <laughs> I walked in, the sheets were like, the, the blankets were like off the bed. 
the pillow, like one of the pillows was like off the bed, like in the closet. Like this is a weird way to clean up. Yeah. I was like, they didn't even look at this room. And so we called them and she was super apologetic. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. She was like, it was a miscommunication with my cleaning service. They're on their way. So then they came, they came straight over and they were like, they were like, we're so sorry. Like blah, blah, and cleaning. We were like, no, it's cool. Like, well, that's, and that's the, the thing with like that business being status based. It's like, every single experience could like make or break, you know, where you go up on the list, you know, when people search that area. So you have like, you know, the person in like that's using your space really does have a lot of power over, you know, where the way that you're rated. It's all like all review based, anything review based like that. You're actually looking at a review. Whereas if I go to a best Western, I know what I'm getting. Yes, exactly. I, I know what city I'm going to. I know what hotel chain I'm going to be at. Yes. I know what I'm getting. Yeah, you're creating an expectation. Yeah, but like an Airbnb is like, all right, how well do you take care of your own personal space? Right. Well, then that's like the same thing with like customer service. That always makes me laugh. It's like people go into like a fast food restaurant and expect like high level service. It's like you're in a freaking fast food restaurant. This person's getting paid minimum wage and that's not enough to deal with whatever shenanigans you're bringing their way. The The amount of like... uh one, for some reason, my for you page on TikTok thinks I love watching Karen videos. <laughs> so like, I, like I'm on. I mean, I'm on TikTok every night for like at least probably two hours before I go to bed. Terrible habit, but it is what it is. <laughs> and and I I swear like probably like two or three out of every like ten videos is like a Karen video of, of someone just being absolutely ridiculous out of pocket. And the amount of times that it's in a fast food restaurant and someone's or trying to order like expecting five star service yes. at a McDonald's yes. and like Lacey. <laughs> like and you're just watching the video like, what are you doing? Like, no. They saying it's like a good rule of thumb to base the expectation of the service on how much money that service costs. hundred percent. It's like if it's a dollar cheeseburger, you should expect a dollar service. Yeah, you're enough the dollar menu. You're not ordering, you know, some steak at, you know, some high rise steakhouse exact Bellevue. Yeah, that those those things are always I'm like, I don't the secondhand embarrassment I get from those videos is like too much sometimes. Like I have to keep scrolling because yeah. I'm like people are so bold and it's like I that's just so foreign to me to like there's a there's a famous phrase that's show me a man's problems and I'll show you his vision. Like when people have that like those are their problems. Like one, they have no life, and their vision is very small. Like yeah. that's that's the only thing that's going on in their life. You always gotta see the bigger picture. Yeah, and some people just don't have a bigger picture. Like their bigger picture is like the thing that's in front of them right now, and that's the only thing that they care about. Yeah, the amount of times I like have to scroll past videos because then I'm otherwise I'm mad at like one a.m. in the morning <laughs> for no reason. I'm just like in my bed like ah, show me some like animal video or something like that. I know my. I feel like my, like, algorithm is, like, music videos, rapping videos, cleaning videos, gym videos, and then somehow, like, Carlotta's, like, she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sad. I'm like, what? She's like, my whole TikTok is, like, sad dog dying videos. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, why are you watching that? And she's like, I don't know. I'm just like, it's just so sad. I'm like, well, then f- turn it. You just keep scrolling. Well, because I know part of the part of the algorithm is how long you watch certain videos. True, so true. It's like, well, you watch the whole two-minute video of a dog. They must you know. want depressing 
Yeah. Everything video. Mine are like opposite. Mine are like happy, like animal videos, like uh, workouts, um, food, a lot of food. Yeah. So many, so much food. My friends always give me, always give me crap because I'll send them videos of like these restaurants or like recipes, but they're in like Nashville. They're in Texas. They're in LA. They're like, yo, send us some videos. They're local. So we can actually (laughs) eat this food. Yes. And I'm like, all right. So I've I've had to like, all right, all right, guys, this is in Seattle. Here you go. Some of the ones that blow my mind are the people who make can make, like, cakes that look like other things. Those, <laughs> those, I'm like, how? I don't understand how these people do it. I saw a video of some, some. Uh, it was, like, someone's wife, and she was like, I'm going to make this into a cake and see if uh, my husband's reaction, and she made chicken wings that were a cake. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and I was sitting there thinking, like, man, if, like, if someone made me – a plate of wings, <laughs> and it turned out to be cake, I'd be mad. I'd be like, why are you getting my hopes up? It's not that cake's bad. It's kind yeah. of like when you're expecting milk and it's Sprite. It's just like, it's just I not. wasn't in the mood for some, like, chocolate cake. I wanted wings, bar- like buffalo wings. Yes. And you gave me cake. There's another one where the, the wife made, like, it looked like raw, raw chicken breasts. And so she just, like, sat down on the couch, and he, it looks like she just had a pile of raw chicken it. bread. Yeah. Started eating, the, and the guy's like, yo, <laughs> are you drunk right now? What are you doing? That's funny. It, it looks so realistic. I'm like, I don't know how you people do this. It's like. Creativity is, like, through the roof. Yes. That's the thing about social media now is, like, there's so much creativity. I don't, I love humanity. Like, I sometimes I just love scrolling because people are so freaking creative. Yeah. You know, and I think. I, I like TikTok more than anything because it just like you get so many different veins. Like nowhere on Instagram are you gonna get like somebody showing you how to like clean their house and then like or like you know somebody detailing their car step by step. But or sometimes just, like, those, life hacks, yes, like things that you're like, I've <laughs> I've been in the shadows for my last like 28 years of my life. Yes, and I think that's one like. Oh, that's probably an unpopular take, but one thing that I, like it really annoys me is like some people's Instagrams. Like, shout out to the parents, but there's got to be more to your life than just pictures and videos of your kids. Oh, 100%. Like, I get it. I, I really do get it. I love kids, but God dang, your kids need you to get a life, okay? You need to have something else going on in your life because it's like, I just, like, it instantly makes me close Instagram and, like, go over to TikTok. I've, like, always, I've always been somewhere, like, I, I get, like, I mean, I don't because I'm not a parent, but I I, I understand when you have a kid and you want to like capture all these moments and everything like that. But then I also understand that like now being an adult and my mom still like loves all these baby pictures and everything. I'm like, for what? I'm like, yeah, I'm right here. I, I'm not a baby anymore. Like, why are you still holding on to these things? Like, what are these memory? Like, I don't know. I've always just kind of been that way, which I know a lot. It's like kind of 50, 50, I feel like for most people. <clears throat> but I, yeah, but posting like your kids and everything on Instagram all the time is cool, but maybe like once every like five posts, not every single back to back to back to back post. Yeah, I think that there's um, it was actually a really um, interesting interview. I think we talked about this before, but his interview with Drake and people like wanting him to make music like he used to, like in his mixtape days, and like. Uh, whether it was like Thank Me Now or Fireworks or like those old songs. And he's like, 
I'm not going to make that because that's not who I am. I make current music on what's like affecting my life right now, where I am right now. And he's like, at the base of it, you don't even want me to make music like I made back then. You just want me to make you feel the way that you felt in that time of your life when you heard that music. 100%. And I was like, man, that's that's so on point because that's like, I think that's a really valuable like principle when, when you're constantly looking to like recreate something in your past, it's like it should remind you that you actually have a future that you should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. Like you need to grow. You need to go choose something else. Like not only for yourself, but for the people around you, like your kids need to see you interacting with the world in a way that you're, you're doing what you're asking them to do, whether it was grow, try new things. But if like they just see you doing nothing and you're just in your sweats all day and like not saying, I'm not saying that parenting is easy. And I I think this, (laughs) this is where the unpopular takes come in. But I also know other people that get the job done, like regardless if they have kids or not, and their kids are some of like the most high performing kids I've ever seen because they see you engaging with the world. And so they like you're creating an expectation, not only for what their life should look like, but what parenting actually becomes. So when they see you like give up on your dreams and you're just sitting around the house all day, they think that parents just sit at home and their life is done and their dreams are over because they had kids. And so, I mean, whether it's, whether it's that feeling when you're chasing a feeling um, or, you know, you just, you've kind of given up on, you know, what your last dreams were. I think that goes into a lot of different, that same mindset kind of goes into a lot of different factors. Like we were even talking about like the Michael Jordan and the LeBron debate where it's not necessarily that one player is better than the other, but, some people grew up with MJ giving you that feeling like anything is possible, that men can fly, like, oh, my God, this person is doing something I've never seen somebody in this sport do before. And you wear their clothing, and, like, that's that feeling. When you put on new, a fresh pair of J's, like, it gives you a feeling. I mean, some kids, like, grow up dreaming to just have a pair of J's. And, and so it's like you can't factor in that into that debate because – other people grew up watching LeBron and same thing there. He gets that. They get that same feeling from watching him play. And so it's an impossible debate because there's just so many factors. But I really think that people, especially like old heads, that's like, don't want to hear anything and know like every player that they love, you know, automatically could just come into the league today and just dominate. And it, to me, it's just like so many mute points that you are just basing a lot of what you're saying off of the feeling that you had in that time of your life, you know? And, and I think that that's, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a trap, um, to constantly be chasing a feeling that you used to have as opposed to creating new ones. There's a, there's a a really, um, old, uh, let's see if I can. So the, this really famous quote on parenting that I always try to share and like, I'm not a parenting expert, nor am I a parent, period, except for I have a puppy. Uh, but the quote says, who we are and how we engage with the world are much stronger predictions of how our children will do than what we know about parenting. In terms of parenting, uh, in, in terms of teaching our kids to dare greatly in a never enough culture, the question isn't so much, are you parenting the right way as it is, are you the adult that you want your child to grow up to be? So I think that that's a super powerful 
statement because, like, no matter what in life, people are always watching, and you never know really who's watching you, but they are learning from you on how to engage in certain circumstances, so whether it's how you engage with customer service people or how you treat somebody, you know, that it's not going to give you anything in return. Like, your kids are watching and learning how to engage. It's like, are you pushing your limits? Are you trying to go out and still work your dreams? Do they understand that, you know, things take a lot of hard work and it's not like it's just everything's free and everything is, like, happy-go-lucky? I mean, those things are so valuable, especially, like, in the gym as a trainer, just reminding people, um, especially, like, especially women, is that even if your husband doesn't say that he acknowledges that you're going to the gym and working, like, I guarantee your husband appreciates that you're going to the gym. Oh, for sure. You know, your kids notice. And, and so not only are you breaking barriers for yourself in your own life, but you're also breaking barriers for your spouse, for your friends, for your kids. Um, and I think that's just, like, the life that, I mean, I personally want to lead is that, you know, you – you're somebody who just by being in someone else's life show what's possible um, regardless of the <clears throat> obstacles. Cause I think just from training, I mean, now it's like hundred thousand people. It's like for every excuse you hear, you know, somebody else that finds a way to get it done. Um, and I'm, I'm proud to, to run in hustle house with Leanne. Um, Cause she had five kids in six years and trained the whole time. She literally coached a class the day that she gave birth back on the horse. Like <laughs> right now she opened a gym in the pandemic while she has these kids like doing six, seven games, driving around all over the place for her kids sports. Husband works full time, <clears throat> but it's like, it's just the expectation that you set for yourself, you yeah. know? And, and it really is like, it's fun to, you know, have her kids come, and and train with me because it's like you get to see how them as adults and parents like transfer over <clears throat> to the kids like they have you know three four treads in the garage and there's just a fat screen tv and if they want screen time they hop on the tread and so their kids are running freaking three four miles they just went down to vegas and their younger daughter's like seven and she you know ran a her first 5k and won the whole thing her other daughter had like six games and our five or six games in two days. And then she ran a 10 K and finished first. And it's like, it's just the expectation that's set. Um, and so I, th I think just a phrase that I've always kind of tried to hold on to is if you change the expectation, you change the standard. So whether that's with kids or adults, like if you can help someone rearrange the expectation that they have for themselves, you can change the standard of the way that they live. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the, the problem when we're just constantly so outwardly focused, like especially in such like a political culture where people feel like their full-time job needs to be like pointing out how everyone else is wrong. Everyone's a critic. <clears throat> yeah. And so it's like when, when it's always on other people, you know, the you're constantly justifying where you're at. Yeah. And why you're right and why you're good where you are. Um, but to really own where you're at in your life. And yeah, of course, when you're tired, you don't want to do X, Y, and Z. But it's like, that's what you know you should do. And I, I just put out a post today that was like, people are constantly talking about like haters. It's like, look, you don't have haters. Yeah. yeah. You don't have haters. 
Period. Like I, that. You'd, unless you'd, you're at like an extreme level, like a professional athlete, you don't have haters. Never. So you have people who point out the things you're insecure about. And so like at some point you just have to own it. You're like, why are you insecure about it? Cause it's probably weak. Cause it probably sucks. Cause you probably avoid working on it. And so it's not that they're a hater. They're just pushing back on an insecure part of you. And the only person who has the power to change that is you. Most of the time, the only, re- the only reason why they would be quote unquote haters is because you don't have the ability to take criticism. Yes. Or understand that. So they're just automatically labeled as haters because they have a different view or they have an opinion on something that you're doing that doesn't line up with what you think is right in your own head. There's a, a quote I just saw before we have on this podcast and it said, social media has made the impossible seem realistic. And so now uh, realistic seems undesirable. Hmm. So it's like the ability to be perfect and have everything together it's now seems possible. So now we're constantly going back into a culture where we're trying to prove that we have our life together. Yeah. So when you're in constant defense mode, it's impossible to take on criticism because your whole life is denying that anything's wrong. Yeah. So, but the people who, you know, you look up to and are so brave and, you know, sell all these books is because they own their losses. It's the eight mile effect. They own their losses. They own their battles and they say they're constantly working on them and that gives you courage to do so. But it's like in your own life, you can only work on something if you can admit that it's wrong. And so when you put, I mean, that's part of why we did off the leash is like just putting pride in the hard work. Um, and I think creating different frameworks around how we engage with feedback is really crucial. I think that's something that I'm, I'm trying to learn right now is tools around feedback that don't make people feel shameful mm-hmm. about something that they're insecure about. And one of the tools that I've, I've found um, today was the guy was saying when you are asking for feedback or when you're explaining something to someone or an idea that you have, it's no longer like, what do you think? Because at that point, now it's their thoughts versus your thoughts. Mm. And part of what they're going to say is how what they think differs from what you think. Yeah. But he's like, the framework that you can use is when you explain something, whether it's an idea or your opinion on something, is at the end at the end of it, your question is, what do you see that I don't see? So, so now you're bringing value to the things that they've learned and that, that they're going to share, and you actually prop them up as if they have something important to share as opposed to creating them as the opponent off the rip. Yeah. So, And I think that's – I can see that playing out in so many different ways, whether it's the gym – whether it's with your spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, or whatever you got going on, uh, is that you you start off the conversation by basically stating that you value what that person sees. Well, I can I can think back to like back at like previous jobs and whatnot, and you know my opinions were valued for most for the most part from a lot of people, and so I know that a lot of times rather than being told well, I think we should do this, this, this. If the person approached me and was like, what do you think about this? Like, what do you, what do you think we should do? A hundred percent. Even if it like, you don't think about it in the moment, looking back on it, it's like, oh yeah, that person really did want, they appreciated my opinion. They wanted to know what I thought. And that 
that made me feel so much more valuable to the company, to the team, you know, whatever. And so, yeah, having that type of mindset, having that type of approach um, towards anything, I think is extremely beneficial in long run, short run, like everywhere. Yeah, and that's, and that's, I think we can think of different parts in our life where it's been the opposite, you know, where you can obviously tell maybe that person's just asking you, what do you think? Just to, they don't really want to know. <laughs> yeah. They just want to be uh, told that what they, what they're doing is, is great or a good idea. Well, it's like what you and I can a hundred percent relate to. <laughs> Back a good old North Sound Christian <laughs> in sports is the amount of times that I feel we we weren't really asked what do you see, what do you see out there on the field, what do you see out there on the court. It was yes. let's do this. Yeah, and, it, and I was just talking to a parent because um, at Hustle House we started doing like sports performance, and so um, I mean our goal with that is to give you know the kids and youth and I mean even college and pro people like the training that we wish we had growing up. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to one of the coaches that brought their team in and we're like, man, these kids don't even know how like good they have it. And like being in a facility like this, tools like this, knowledge like this, it's like growing up, you know, you had to figure things out for yourself, which it's like, it's like a bittersweet thing because you learn so much when you had to teach yourself. Like we, like without even being told, we became like students of the game by watching, you know, you watch an NBA game, then you like go out and during the halftime and you're like trying out the moves and you brought okay. the, you know, you brought the hoop down to like eight feet and you're like banging out, you know, <laughs> and those are like the best times in life. But like, I think thinking back on the coaches that I've had in sports, it's actually some of the bad coaches made me more valuable now because I actually had to like learn for myself. Coaches mm-hmm. weren't teaching me. So I had to like learn how plays work and learn how systems work. And I think that's why we we throw around the word coach so loosely mm-hmm. that it's almost like sickening, yeah. you know. Like just the phrase "coach" requires you to actually do something, you know. And we have so many managers that you have a system, and it's like you're there to collect check, and you know you could have really valuable athletes, but if they don't fit in your system, then they're like problem child status, you know. And and so like now. Being able to, because of the processes we went through to try to teach ourselves, now being able to pass it on to these new athletes is even more rewarding, you know, because you had to learn so much that you would have never learned, you know, otherwise. Mm -hmm. There's just not enough time in the time in the day. I mean, me and you and the, I mean, obviously spent thousands of hours because both of our parents worked at the school you know we just spent thousands of hours after school just running around acting the fool being in the gym you know which which is also invaluable tool you know it's like having that access you know that a lot of other people didn't yeah you know it might have been nice to have a little bit more time at home besides just like walking around the school that we were already there for like eight hours a day for amount a of times just having that open gym was so nice though yes just quiet then you have to turn the lights on because it's just daylight. And Literally nothing better than an empty gym. Chilling. Yes. Only thing better than empty gym is empty gym when you, like, have the control over the aux cord. I was, I was just about to say the best times were when we actually had an aux cord with us. Those, those good old instrumentals, you know. Soon, 
We had those instrumental songs. Or as, or as soon as the door opens, quick pause, and, run over, you pause the it. music. Yeah, we. so Tanner and I both went to a, a small private Christian school, and so our warm-up music for sports was always <laughs> had to be, like, edited or most time it wasn't even edited. We basically had to have like instrumental music. So we, we knew what the song was. <laughs> I, mem- I remember sometimes uh, there was, I think it might have been your senior year, one of the first like CDs that we use CDs half the time. Which is kind of For those, that, those of you that remember CDs. Um, but we tried to give uh, the superintendent at the time the CD and he asked people, I don't know if you remember this, he asked people, like, what songs, because it still had, like, the track title, right, even right, though right. it was an instrumental. And because of the actual song and when it wasn't an instrumental, what it said, we weren't able to use some of those songs, which I thought was the most ridiculous things in the world. But it was all because... People oh, know what these words are. It was all because the, the fans, they know what the actual lyrics are. And you're just like, give me a break. I remember they, like, turned down the warm-up music because the people in the... People in the stands like it's too loud. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot the music is for the fans. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting your conversations <laughs> around your hot dog and popcorn. Yeah, my, yeah. my apologies. Yeah, I'm out here trying to get like pumped up for my game, and you're over here having conversations about but what we, you have for lunch. But we did. We this would be it would be reminiscent if we didn't talk about our sports bus. It was a nice bus because Tanner and I in high school <laughs> to save money for the school. <laughs> We were gifted the child labor, the job of hand sanding all of the rivets on this massive bus because we got a custom paint job. So we were like out there in the in the summer, just like fingers raw, just trying to sand down all the little like screw divots on this bus. But long story short, we ended up having a nasty bus. It was painted all black. We had tin windows. We had like a custom painted paint job on the side. We had. Uh, what are those Greyhound bus seats that like yep. reclined, reclined inside? Back. It did go hard. Pretty sure after it smelled we, like dust, but yes, you could hit those seats for like four <laughs> four years after they were installed, and they still would like just dust poof out of them. I'm pretty sure like two years after it graduated, they just like scrapped the bus and sold it for parts. Hundred percent. I remember. I don't. I don't know if you remember. There was one of the days we had music. We had music playing, and uh, it was what song was it? It was one of T-Pain's big songs at the time. And we were trying to get the timing right. Was it's, it by was it by you a drink? It's it's like I'm the, in love? It, no, it's like it's the intro. It might have been buy you a drink, but the intro, there's like a big pause in in between like two of the notes that he hits or like two of the like words that he says. And we were trying to get the timing right. And it took us like <laughs> a ridiculous <laughs> amount of time. So if you were like just like a like a fly on the wall or the bus barn bus, if you would have heard us like trying to hit the get the timing right for like four hours, you'd have been like, bro, you guys need freaking, to yeah. stop. <laughs> Give it up. You're well, done. We had we had nothing better to do out there. That is true. I, that's now looking back, especially now, I wish I would have had that bus and be able to like strip it out. You know no. like how people are doing now. Strip make it a it, house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, strip it out and make it this like a dope like like even it would be fun to have a bus like that and make it into like a traveling like podcast. I was, studio. I was just gonna say just yeah, have it be at the studio. And have like a little like just like a gaming setup in there where you just like drive around and have like two couches and like that should be kinda dope. You just rolled up and brought randos in off the street and you just like played a game of Madden or something. That'd be sick. Mm, I don't know about Madden though. you well, I was just thinking about a random sport. Might be two K. I mean, it had to be, had, probably have to be a sport type of thing. 
<laughs> but yeah. you, you heard it here first. We're going to make it happen. 1v1 COD. <laughs> yes. For $100,000. No thanks. Too many bugs. <laughs> Hate that game. Yeah, that's it was two it was two years ago yesterday, I think, that that game came out, which was. is kind of crazy because there's an ungodly amount of hours that I spent on that game during lockdown. Well, what's crazy, too, is what, what was that, like Mar- uh, March 10th? So that was two years ago, right before lockdown. What's So the last day that I worked I think it was, was like 16th. Two, it was the third. Last day I worked was the 13th, which is two days from now. So two years ago in two days when that lockdown happened. The last day that I, well, I worked at Costco. Shout out Costco. We stayed open through the whole thing. Shout out to Costco. <laughs> um, but yeah, the last day, I, th- I think it was like the lockdown started on like the 16th or 17th or something like that. But yeah, I just remember, dude, playing, like waking up every morning at like 8 or 9 a.m., hitting up my group chat. I mean, like, hey. Who's up? Let's go. Where are we driving, boy? Yeah, where are we driving? What's going on? Streets are calling. But I just remember doing that. And I remember looking at my time. Time played on the uh, on the game was like an absurd amount just in those two months. Yeah, it's it's insane. It was like, oh, you the time you've spent is like 40 hours. I'm not sure if anybody has beaten Jacob Metz. Shout out to Jacob Metz. But he had a ridiculous amount of time. Yeah. I remember looking at his time and being like, well, <laughs> I guess I did kind of have a life <laughs> during COD. I guess there is levels to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no hate, Jacob, no hate. <laughs> I mean, he, he got the juice. Yeah, he, he got more juice. Than, yeah. But now we're on to Apex, so. Much better. Shout out to the Way Apex better. fans. The um, Yeah, looking, it's crazy that was two years ago. It almost is like doesn't seem real. Like this, like the whole time frame doesn't seem. The last two years have been like one, one really giant. I was gonna say bad, but I feel like I don't know. There's a lot to learn from the last two years. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider them like so many people are like. Oh, these were like terrible years. Can't wait to, you know, can't wait for the next year. That's the same thing for the next year. Yeah, you can't wait for what to do the same thing you've been doing. Yes, like, but I, I feel like uh, I feel like it has it has felt like one big year, but overall, it's there's been, there's a lot you can take away mm. from it. What's the biggest thing you take away from those two years? <laughs> kind of ironic, but I think like slow down, mm. really, because. We quite literally had to slow down. And yeah, do we didn't nothing, really have any options. <laughs> like, do nothing. But I think, like, enjoying, slow down and, like, enjoying, as cliche as it is, enjoying, like, the little things in life. Because for so long we couldn't do, you know, for those first, like, what, three months yes. or so? Couldn't do the little things here and there. And just appreciating, like, not like politically, but like freedoms to like, you know, you go to a restaurant, go hang out with your friends, go do this, go do that. And then all of a sudden it was just like, nope, just stay home. Like, <laughs> You're done. Yeah. Those two weeks were pretty long. I think the value, <laughs> two weeks to flood the curve. All right. Yeah. I think, I think for me it was like how much, it taught me how much I value and like really need human connection. Oh, 100%. Especially for like, I was just so hyperactive around so many people, especially at the gym where like I literally would see like 300 people a day. 
Yeah. You know, coming in, people that I like literally knew, you know, this one's necessarily just like strangers, but people that I like had a relationship with every single day to like at the house by myself or with Carlotta, you know, and you're just like, I don't know. It, it like, it really, I really needed like the first like couple months to just like slow down and realize that I, I spent majority of my life like thinking how much I can make like life better for other people. And I didn't really think about myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that really, um, yeah, that slow down thing was, was pretty big for me too. just to be like, think about myself and it's like, take a break. And well, I think cause even then like, like us and like gaming every day and like, you know, all my friends gaming, it was like, that was our way of communicating with someone else. For the sure. House. And it, like, it reminded you how, like how fun, like just to have fun, you yeah. know? And it's, it's funny cause there's so many videos about like, boyfriends or girlfriends like or wives getting mad at their husbands for like playing call of duty yeah um or or other video games but it's like there is something that's like emotionally healthy about less like getting on with like other guys and laughing and just being free and i I honestly think that it, it does play a big factor in emotional health you know whether it's obviously there's levels to how many hours you should be playing you know or (laughs) <laughs> things, other things that you could be doing, but I I think it might even be in an unpopular opinion, but I think that it's it's necessary for emotional health, especially now. I think the last like data that I saw was like especially it's like men over either forty five or fifty have like an average of less than one friend that they can confide in. That's crazy, <clears throat> super crazy. So it's like loneliness would like literally kill you, you know. And I think that there's, I mean, happiness. And, and laughing is so valuable to like your soul, you know, like the times that you can get somebody that just like makes you cry, laugh, yeah. you know, like whether it's a video game or just something saying something crazy, like that's so valuable. I mean, and laughter can really change your life, you know, can make somebody, it's like, that's the value of having a friend that can make it something catastrophic. <laughs> like it, it could be like the the most wrong thing to say at the time, but it's like makes everybody laugh. Yeah. And it's like, you can't put a price on, you know, having people like that in your life. Never. And sometimes you just need people who do dumb things. You know? Switching like, guns. <laughs> uh, Tanner deserves an award for playing with me for as long as he has for some of the craziness that I've done on the sticks. Uh, yeah. There's, there's probably an, an endless amount. And, uh, <laughs> There's probably a couple of people that deserve rewards, but <laughs> for some reason they still play with me. It's just it's just exercising patience. Yeah, me me during a video game is about as self unaware as uh, somebody <laughs> on Costco on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Oh yeah, that hits home. <laughs> too, too close, Jeremy. Too close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cuts deep right there. All I know is that some uh, shout out to the cart people. At Costco. That's like one of the best jobs at Costco. Because some people, some of these grocery stores, especially this Fred Meyer by my house, they don't believe in collecting the carts. So the carts will legit be like halfway into the freaking road where you're like driving around, you're like swerving around freaking carts that are sticking out. Actually, that is kind of a funny, crazy page on TikTok and YouTube where the guy does like, it's like the cart police. Have you seen that guy? Mm -mm. It's insane. He has like these big magnets and like, like these stand up magnets that just like have a flag on it. So for people who like don't put their card away and they'll just like 
stash the car like on the curb or whatever. He has these big fat magnet magnets and he'll just like run to their car and just like slap it on. And it's like, I'm too lazy to put my car back or something like that. <laughs> and so these people like get so angry, like they get out of their car and they're like cussing them out and they like get the magnet. And like when they throw it down, he'll like throw two more on there. And he's like, they're like, stop harassing me. I'm like, all you got to do is like grab your cart and like put it right back there. And he's like, do you work here? He's like, he's like, no, I work with the secret agency. And but the, they're like legit chase him around the parking lot, spend like twenty minutes like cussing That's him so out. Funny. And every time they get back in their car, he'll just like put another magnet <laughs> on. And so like the end, like the grocery store like managers out there, other people are like watching. And he's like, man, I just I'm just asking you to just like take five steps and just put your car to it. And they're like, people get paid for that. And it's like, well, yeah, people get paid to pick up trash. Doesn't mean you just throw your trash on the ground. But it's it's an insane. But he has like a secret camera video, and it's like. It's like you're being so hostile, and it's like it's like no, I'm not, I'm not kind, sir. I'm just trying to look out for the best of, of humanity. That's so funny, but I just like people like that. Just, I literally just it literally blows my mind. Like I'm I'm guilty. Probably maybe one out of fifty times I won't take my car all the way back because maybe it's like just super far. It's like pouring down rain. And I'm like on the outskirts. I'm like one of the people who just like parks way out and will walk because yeah. I can't stand like the people who are just like hammerhead Needs sharks. The best yes. spot, <clears throat> but. Uh, but these people were like, it's like 10 feet away, dude. And it's like, you can walk those 10 feet just to put your card back. It's either that or like when you're in the store and like people will just be like, mm, actually, I don't, I changed my mind on this item. And they'll like put like raw meat in like the cereal aisle. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah, just walk it back. Like it's two aisles away. Yes. You're too lazy to go walk it Especially back. Especially when you know it's going to ruin the item. Yeah. Either that or. Or you're going to make somebody sick. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Yeah, and like, yeah salmonella seven, in, your, exactly. in your Cheerios, but like just f them, I guess. Well, but a lot of people don't realize that, like, if you get to the front and there's like the, you know the checkout or whatever, they don't mind taking something back for you. Yes, when I was at Costco. If I was like an assist, if I was assisting a cashier, and someone came up and was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I, I changed my mind on this item," I was like, "I'll take it back for you." Yeah, exactly. I get to go. I, I get, get paid to, by the hour. I, I so. get to walk away from the front end. I can just like kind of take my time, like you know, going down the aisles, like whatever. But, like, people just are just like, uh, I don't need this, and just dump it. I found a toaster in the freezer one time. I was like, that's on purpose. <laughs> like, that's out of pocket. It was a toaster in, in a box. <laughs> they had to open the freezer door, and they put Look the over whole, both shoulders. Yeah, put the whole box of a toaster I'm in the freezer. Like, why? They are out of <laughs> Just why? It had, to, it had to have been, like, a, a prank, like, a, a, a terrible prank joke yeah you are out of pocket for that actually there's uh in high school me and a couple of my my buddies we there was a a librarian shout out to mrs wallace (laughs) but we felt that she really didn't do anything all day like legit she would watch like youtube videos and like back when there was no delivery service you remember swan it's like the only people who like delivered like food so she would like deliver that she get that delivered to the school like every day and so we're like, she legit does nothing for being this librarian. So we would go like random parts around the library and just collect books from like every different like corner of the library and just put it in the book return to like really help her do her job. <laughs> and so, but we used to do so many different things. Like remember that there used to be that whole line of computers in the library. Mm-hmm. It was just like a stretch of like 20 computers because they didn't yeah. t- like trust anybody to not be like playing games. Yeah. So we just to like play with her because uh, we'd start making a beat. So like the first person would just like we'd all be typing papers, and one person would just like just make it like a nice like <laughs> click, and then the other person would be like, 
So by the end, there's this massive beat, and she's like, "What are you guys doing?" And we're just like, "What are you talking about?" We're just like typing our papers. And so we're like pressing delete as the other one. So she come around to like see if we were actually typing papers. We she's thinking that she's like making up beats in her head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make her think she's going crazy. Or uh, good old Daniel Riley used to come and like. She had, like, this big desk that had, like, this overarching place where there was, like, stools in front. And she, he would, like, come and, like, knock on the bottom part of the desk. <laughs> and she'd be like, who is knocking? She would, like, let, she'd look around. And then she'd get it from her desk. And so Daniel would, like, literally be crawling around the desk and just, like, knocking. And we're like, I, we don't know what you're talking about, Mrs. Wallace. You're, you're oh crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I forgot they had a librarian for a school with, like, 50 people. <laughs> <laughs> Like or the, a paid position. One of the, yeah, like that's what I mean. Like having a librarian for like having a maximum of like two kids in a day. Like talk about an easy job. Yes, when like half the school is made up of people who are parents work at the school. <laughs> How bored I'd be sitting behind a computer in a library all day just like with no one coming in. Well, nowadays we got plenty of things to keep us entertained. Yeah, true, true. But I wouldn't be behind on any show. No, we just... We have like a little AirPod in, you know, one AirPod just, just playing in the background. Oh yeah. <clears throat> well, I'm 90 minutes in, Tanner. It's a lot faster than than the, the last podcast. I, <laughs> just just a little bit. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Social media. I am T Mailer 92. I don't hide anything. Got my name, my birthday. <laughs> Get your password in I there. I might add my social security number here pretty soon, too. Uh, on Instagram, Facebook, Tanner Mailer. I think on Xbox. T Mailer 92 catch as well. Catch me on the sticks. Yeah, catch me on the sticks. Come, hey, hey, we need a third. Uh, me and Jeremy need a third. <laughs> we're, we're now taking... Uh, we're taking applications. Yes. So yep. for all the gamers out there. Off the Leash Gaming. You'll even get an invite to the Off, off the Leash Gaming squad. Yeah, Apex is way better than COD, so let me just tell you that right now. So that's not your opinion. We don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, Otherwise, you're canceled. Yeah. Any other social media, though, I, don't, I actually don't even know my handles for those. Other than that, you guys know where to find us. Off the Leash Lifestyle on Instagram. Find us on Dizana Sports. All the new gear. New stuff is dropping to... Uh, Patty's always got some up his sleeve. He's down in Florida right now. Uh, so our next podcast will be with the one and only P Gleason. Uh, you know where to find me, Jer underscore AM underscore I. Super necessary. But other than that, friends, stay off the leash. Lego. <laughs>